comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Erwick is gone, the canisters are gone, we've got nothing here. Damn it! Hello, you are now on a secure channel and ready to listen to 24, the Jack and Chloe Adventure Cast. This is a podcast focused on the Fox television series 24 and its new miniseason, Live Another Day. I am Aaron Newworth, writer for WhySoBlue.com and host of another film podcast, The Out Now with Aaron and Abe Show. With me, we have also from WhySoBlue and the NapTown nerd, Brandon Peters. Hello. And from the young folks and Cinema Maxwell, it is Maxwell Haddad. Greetings. The events of this podcast occur in real time. So, here we go. We're back. We're, we're doing this again, guys. We're, <laughs> we, we, weren't, we weren't podcast canceled after the first week. I think that happens once or twice in a season. And uh, we're going to recap more seasons of 24 leading up to the mini-season of Live Another Day. Uh, last week we focused on like our thoughts on the series in general and the, the first three uh, three seasons, seasons one, two, three, uh, focusing on kind of, as Brandon dubbed it, the, the Nina Myers trilogy. Now, where, where are we now, Brandon? The Audrey Reigns trilogy. This is uh, season four, five, and six. Um, they all they, the show kind of softly rebooted itself in season four, and we kind of run with these uh, characters introduced and story. There's a storyline thread that kind of uh, weaves through all three seasons, and kind of this one, this this section is really tightly kind of linked together as compared to the others. All right, well we'll get to the. We'll get to the seasons in a second here. Um, I should note, this will be a shorter episode than last week. This one will just be recapping these seasons. Uh, but before we do that, uh, we do have all of our various ways of finding us. We have our email, jcadventurecast at gmail.com. Same with Twitter and Facebook, Twitter at jcadventurecast, Facebook's facebook.com slash jcadventurecast. And um, we are on iTunes on the HHW LED Master Feed currently. We will eventually have a separate feed, hopefully in right in time for the when the season the new season live another day premieres and uh so yeah all that's there and uh, for those of you that are listening thanks and for those of you that are new welcome and with that said let's uh let's let's do this let's uh let's get to the season four of 24 so uh, how does this one start out guys this is the first uh two night four hour premiere of 24 it, it started uh directly after the end of an nfl playoff game uh, i believe it was a like conference championship so that's like big ratings to lead into 24 starting and this is the first time they went non-stop every week with with a new episode because i mean there were complaints in the past or people losing track because be on two weeks in a row gone for three here's an episode there's an episode so they just said screw it this is serialized we're going to go week to week and uh it's only going to play during the spring portion of the television season this is the season that I think most a lot of people started with started becoming you know a ratings powerhouse. As uh, in, like people people were like, "What is this twenty four show about?" Yeah. They just jumped in on this season. And the fact that it, it's kind of started over and was very fresh, had new characters. Um, if, all you had to know was Jack Bauer, and you could just jump into the season really easily. And there was a lot of rewards for you know long you know. View, uh, viewers who were there since season one, two, and three, they started. They strategically placed the main characters to pop up at special moments and join the cast throughout the season, which was really cool. Yeah, this this season um, certainly was one of the the was the one that 
made 24 so popular, averaging around 12 million viewers an episode, which, I mean, if that were on now, would be the, one of the biggest shows on TV at the time. It was still very big, um, but that was, you know, bigger than the previous seasons and the, the four-hour, two-night opening premiere was huge. The first episode had 15 million viewers, so a lot of people were tuning in and ready to see what, what Jack Bauer was was cooking up next. So with this season, for, okay, good question again. How many times have you guys watched these this season? Probably two or three. Once. I have, of course, I've watched all of these, with the exception of season one, I still have watched all of these seasons basically once. Um, so where does this one start? Is Jack, so at the end of season three, Jack was basically kind of breaking down. He's like, this is tough, guys. I've had a heroin addiction. I've saved the world again. Daughter hates me, probably. I need to yeah, finish so. something new. Season yeah. four is about a year and a half after season three. Um, Jack is no longer with CTU, as is frequently the case in the beginning of a season of 24. <laughs> he was fired because of his drug issues, etc. He has a new job working for the new character, uh, James Teller, who is a Secretary of Defense, played by the great film and now television actor William Devane. James Teller also has a daughter, Audrey Rains. And Jack is in a relationship with Audrey. Yes, scandalous. Audrey scandalous because she's not officially divorced. Right. Mm-hmm. So even though he's kicked the heroin habit, he's now addicted to Audrey Reigns. Yeah. Like Kim Raver. And, and the plot starts out with um, Heller getting kidnapped by some ter- Turkish terrorists that also... The most delicious of terrorists. <laughs> yes. Um, Turkish delightful terrorists. Um, but they they also they try to put like this scenario where like the terrorists could even be like your neighbors next door because there was a family that had... Uh, Beirut. <laughs> um, it was just like this seemingly normal family, but they were the parents were terrorists, and they had a son that was uncovering slowly that his parents were. I'm I'm laughing because uh, uh, the those characters next door the 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 mother is played by Shore Agdashlu who has one of the most <laughs> amusing and recognizable voices. Yes, I yeah, I agree. I remember she got, like, because after House of Sand and Fog, she got, like, super popular in that point, and she was in right. a lot of, she was in, like, she was in, she was in this season 24, she was in X-Men The Last Stand, like, she just, just like, started popping up all over the place. Yeah, and for a, she just has a very, like, deep, gravelly voice, uh, coupled with her accent, which just makes her, you know stand out in a way that I find compelling, but also amusing. Yeah, it's a very distinct person. Yes. Yeah, she's on uh, she's on this season of Grimm quite a bit, and last season. So she's getting still getting work. Okay, so, the, so yes, uh, Heller's, he's kidnapped, and, and um, Audrey, they're both kidnapped at the beginning of the season. That's kind of like the, that's like the first half focus, correct? Right. Like the, uh, the rest the of them at the end of the first four hours, right? Oh, okay. Well, that's easier. Yeah, <laughs> it does bring some parallels <clears throat> excuse me, to the first season, which is just more fodder to the fire that this season kind of really was a reboot of everything. You know, yeah. some Jack is in a relationship with being kidnapped, the emotional connection there, etc. And by, no, by the way, Marwan, he's played by, um, what's his name, um, Arnold Vosler. Arnold Vosler. Yeah, yeah, and this so. is the first time that we start with the parents, who we think are like, the, you know, they're to start out, they're the big bads that we have to begin with. But then they, they turn to Habib Marwan, played by Boslu, 
And that's the last time we turn to anyone bigger as the villain. He's yep. the longest run. Like that's why I think he's one of the best villains in the series history is because he. Uh, I mean, he was just there the whole season. I mean, he had like contingent plan after contingent plan after contingent plan. But part of the fun of the season was watching Jax get so close to capturing him and him getting away constantly. But it was <laughs> it was great. And yeah. I'm not. It was, it was well. It was such a phenomenon that Arnold Vosloo was. He's been on record for saying like he was at a uh, like a Home Depot shopping for some things, and some guy came down the aisle and was like, "Somebody called Jack Bauer. I found Habib Marwan." <laughs> like it was that popular, and and like he was that you know good of a villain that people just got into it with him. It helps that he's more, I guess. Re- at that time, I guess he's more recognizable. Well, everybody's like, "Oh, the mummy!" Because it's the yeah, mummy, yeah. It's the mummy. And it, uh, although it does ride on a you know, general cliche where the you know the lead villain is a middle Middle Eastern you know terrorist guy, like it's still. But but they did have that episode in the season where two Turkish guys helped hold uh keep a, a store from being attacked with Jack Bauer that wanted to let him know not all Turkish people are bad. Yeah, I mean, I had this is my might be one of my least favorite seasons of the show and a lot of that has to do with Marwan. I liked I think he was an interesting villain and I liked how prolific he was in terms of how much we saw him in the earlier seasons. Whoever ended up being the main like big bad or like the overall bad guy we only would see for a couple episodes. So it was interesting to see Marwan for he's in like 17 of the 24 episodes, but about the halfway to two-thirds point, you know, as you said, Jack was, like, right on the cusp of catching him. And it almost became comical to me how Marwan always had another trick up his sleeve. Mm-hmm. Be like, well, this oh, guy... you foiled this? Well, I have a satellite. Oh, you foiled this? Well, I'm gonna call an alien invasion. It just kept escalating and escalating, and it got a little yeah. redundant for me. I loved it. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, no, he had first, he, he has the kidnapping of Heller. Then he has he also has a mole inside CTU. Well, of which course, is, that's uh, an imperative. He uh, he robs some computer virus program and starts a meltdown right yeah, in the, the city. The, yeah. When that's saved, he then um, does he fire down, or no, he sets off an EMP in a city, and then he also um, shoots down Air Force One. We get to that, yeah. And he, yeah, he gets the playbook, and then I think ultimately he shoots a missile at Los Angeles. Yeah. Not a nuke, just a missile. A lot of classic terrorist plans in this season, apparently. He's like, ah, dang it, I'll shoot a missile. I'll shoot a missile. Yeah. So, okay, so what's what's going on at CTU? Of course, Jack obviously has to interact with people at CTU. Right, okay, so a lot of interesting uh, faces are introduced at CTU this season that become recurring characters in seasons to come. Um, first of all, you have Roger Cross, is Curtis Manning, mm-hmm. who I would say, besides Jack Bauer, was probably the most badass uh, C, uh, CTU Easily, op- yeah scene has he in been fact, there he's because he's he's always like torture guy before this well, season he, right well he know well roger cross he's this is his first season but him and jack have a history from their first moment this was his first he wasn't in no, no he previous wasn't, season? first time we saw him what yeah. i i always said that if, if if at any point Kiefer wanted to leave they could just hand it over to to curtis manning but you know we we'll get to that later we'll get to that yeah um, also of course the return of Chloe O'Brien, who proved to be a fan favorite character in season three, and even more so, I think this is the season where people started to become enamored with her. And then 
you know, every year there's a new crop of CTU analysts, and I would say this season introduces one of the most beloved and charming and funny CTU analysts, and that is Edgar Styles. Yes, yes, played by great Louis Lombardi. He's in all. He's one of like three or four people this season in all twenty-four episodes. Um, and he's just he's like a overweight schlubby geeky analyst, but he's just so. And you know, so likable and sort of endearing. He has that Brog's accent, and he, he just like yeah, yeah. He, he's he's incredibly smart. He's very good at his job. Yeah, and uh, he had you know him and Chloe obviously develop a friendship. Like it's a butthead. Buttheads, yes. It's it's a he's a good character. Yeah, I, I love the Edgar character, which is of course we'll get to what happens to him as well. Um, but he has this kind of because he's also on The Sopranos, and so like a kind of. I kind of have like an impression of him, and they're like, "Oh, now he's over here too. That's great." And he's he has this way of talking. That's we we also have um, a character named Ronnie Labelle to start this out, where um, he he's like the he's got Jack's old job, and early on in the in the episodes, you you think well the, they pair Jack with him to go on missions. And you're like, oh my god, these guys are going to be butting heads all season. And like, Ronnie LaBelle gets shot in like episode three. Okay. <laughs> it was, it took me by surprise. I was like, oh, I can see this go, where this is going, this relationship. And he gets killed like really early on. There was Did actually we... a website um, dedicated to Ronnie LaBelle uh, back in the heyday of 24, like just like saying he survived the shot. And just like having him laying and having a time frame of what he's doing while Jack is out doing stuff, and it's always just him laying there shot. But <laughs> um, did we discuss uh, Bill Buchanan? Uh, no, we didn't. No, he so, comes in late. He does, but he obviously becomes a, a pivotal character throughout yes. the rest of the series. Um, I love Bill Buchanan. I think yes. the, the actor James Morrison has some. There's something about him that's very. He doesn't get enough work. It's a he has, like such gravitas. He's so authoritative, but like like I see him and I instantly am like, you can lead my group. I trust you. Yeah, there's a confident authoritative quality about him that doesn't suggest like he's too much of a jerk or not on the level with you. It just feels more feels more Palmer. <laughs> but we're, when we're first introduced to him, like he's a thorn in our side because he's uh, hooking up with Michelle and him and Tony, uh, Tony and Michelle are. are separated and he's he's the guy in between is now is michelle she's like she's um basically ryan chappelle's old job she's director right yeah yeah she's she comes in when our head of ctu aaron driscoll she is there for a good half the season and she has a super crazy daughter that ends up killing herself in ctu um and driscoll gets relieved of her duty and Driscoll hated Jack. I remember that, yes. So yeah. getting her out of there was fine. And then Michelle comes and Tony's got a problem, but um we see them rekindle the relationship throughout. And Bill Buchanan is such a cool dude about it. That's where we start to like him is because he doesn't like get all pissy or start a you know a dick measuring contest with Tony about it. He just like, all right I get this. Well, what was Tony doing? Because he was, you know, a treason. Drunk. A, tra- a, tra- a traitor, last he say he's drunk, Tony, right? He's got some, like, flu- uh, floozy staying with him. When they- like, because he- Jack calls him to save, get out of a jam, because 
uh, they get st- trapped in a building, and Tony comes in and say, and they're out of ammo. Him and like Audrey, and uh, Tony comes and saves the day, and they go back to his apartment, and he's just got his Cubs mug still, and uh, just boozing it. But then he Jack convinces Tony to like drive them to CTU, and he ends up being on board for the rest of the day. Okay, but he's the first of the major characters that are missing in the first few episodes to return. I think he returned in episode seven, six or seven. And what's going on with our with our former president Palmer? Oh. He is. Uh, he does not show up till the final four episodes. I think he's because, in six episodes. Is he in six of the final six episodes? Because yeah. our president gets. Okay, he gets shot down in Air Force One. So let's talk about that but first. Then he is not dead. It's Keeler. Yeah. Keeler, wait, Keeler's wait. President. Jeff Pearson. Jeff yeah. Pearson. Yes. And he, he's I believe the, we had seen earlier. Yes, we talked about it last. Senator. Yeah, he was a senator yeah. in season three, which is where we were introduced to him. Yes. Yeah, we see like a debate. Uh, he's in a couple episodes of season three, and yeah, then yeah. he's on Air Force One the entire time. Yes. In the season, and he gets shot down, and he does not die. They, they say he's alive, but he cannot, you know, do his duties to office. So, sworn in is uh, our... Why am I not Vice President Charles Logan. Charles Logan. Charles Logan, yes. By Gregory Vice Itzen. Incomparable Gregory Itzen. Yes, so he gets sworn in, and he gets pretty incompetent. So, Mike Novick, who is around... That's why, yeah, he ...winds up it. calling Palmer, David Palmer to come in and help, like, like a ghostwriter or something. Like, he's not there, but... He helps him. Well, we'll talk about this a little more when we get to season five. But I, re- I remember look- thinking back to when I watched season four and this character Charles Logan as the vice president. He was I always thought in this season he's such a weak character, not just in terms of his capability as a president, but I was I was never that taken with the character, which of course completely changes in season five. Well, I think you're not supposed to. I mean, he's just a wee- little weaselly guy that yeah is weak and and not even sure of himself. And you wonder how he was even vice president. But yeah, uh, yeah. But David Palmer comes in, and David Palmer ends up okaying a mission for Jack that has repercussions later on. Yeah. Sure uh, before we get to that, I wanted to go back to the President Keeler thing because I remember I remember that episode really well because it's like he's with his. He's supposed he's revising like a speech he's gonna give, and he's with his son doing it, and they oh, like yeah. sp- they spend like the whole episode like revising it, and he's like, "Good job, son," and, and then like the next scene, it's like a stealth fighter shoots down the Air, Air Force One. He's like, "Oh, that's horrible. That <laughs> really sucks." <laughs> Leading up to then, yeah, then we get Charles Logan sworn into office. Um, and then we also have a good episode in here too when when the after the plane goes down, uh, with the 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 football and playbook where to a random couple finds it. I think one of them is played by Bones's T.J. Thine. Is that his name? Um, and they're trying to escape Marwan. Yeah. Uh, with the playbook, and Jack Bauer and, and CTU is currently is like pretty much too far out to help them out. And you have this chasing with this random couple and these terrorists, and it doesn't end very good. But it's it's pretty exciting. That does. But for twenty four, a show that can't really have many one offs. This was basically felt as close to a one-off as they could get. So um, back to the the mission, the affirmation mission that Palmer uh, makes Bauer do. Basically, to make a long story short, Jack pisses off the Chinese. Yeah. Jack Bauer! (laughs) Okay. And the season ends with um, 
uh, Michelle and Tony fake his death. Yeah, Jack is forced to fake his own death, mm-hmm. and only Tony, Michelle, and, and, Chloe. and Chloe and Palmer, I guess, right? Palmer, yeah. Uh, yeah, they all—they're the one—they're the only ones that know about this, which uh, will be important in the next season. Uh, but it's yeah, it's kind of a sad—it's another sad ending for Jack Bauer, who you know prevents the you know U.S. from being bombed about like four times throughout the. Uh, season and then is forced to like yep i gotta get out of here i gotta fake my death now because the chinese saw my face so well because logan uh, commissions a hit on jack is where it comes from yeah yeah logan 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 and that is season four all right moving on to season five the probably the biggest season of the show's history it was emmy winning premiered on january 15th of 2006 with another two night four episode premiere um was critically acclaimed in a big way, won almost every major Emmy Award that can be won, including Best Drama Series, Best Drama Actor, Best Supporting Actor in a Drama, and I believe Best Supporting Actress in a Drama. Yeah, um, I remember, I really like Gene Smart. Um, but uh, This season I generally regard as uh, my favorite season of 24, taking away kind of I guess nostalgia for season one. I think this one just really fires in all cylinders. I think it's really well written. I think it does a great job of kind of having all 24 episodes, not necessarily all matter, but feel kind of all combined without being too far off the page. It's just very character driven. I think that's something that always stands out for me. It's the last time they're able to continually raise the stakes and not get ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at the award wins now. I know Gregory Itzen and Gene Smart were both nominated. They didn't win. Ah, sorry about that. But no, it did win one editing, dramatic, uh, directing, um, music composition, lead actor, and drama. So it's well learned. Um, and yeah, I got a ton of nominations like all over the place. That it, that is true for sure. And again, still one of the still a very high rated season in terms of ratings and everything. Yeah, what I what I love so much about the season, and I agree, it is my. Uh, <clears throat> favorite season of the show is that it all feels like a large part of a consistent whole like obviously every season takes place during a day so it's telling one story but there are always elements in the first four seasons that felt disparate for one reason or another or that felt like slight sidetracks whereas i found this all because it's focused on character it was compelling all the way through and it was also probably the most shocking or surprising maybe is the better word of the seasons where the reveals that occurred throughout were genuinely startling in the in their implications and really made one reflect upon um the real world in a way i don't think the show did since the first season um what i i also remember thinking you know looking back at seasons one through four to me the most enjoyable and exciting part was always whatever jack bauer was doing and I think in this season, for the first time, not that what Jack was doing wasn't exciting, but the <clears> stuff <throat> with the president was even more interesting. Yeah, I, I agree, because mm-hmm. something that, and I said this about the first season, is that J- David Palmer was such a, as big of a part as Jack Bauer was in season one of 24. This one really brings that kind of back, where you have Charles Logan, who has his whole entire plot that feels just as important as Jack, what's going on with Jack Bauer, between him and his wife, played by Gene Smart. Who again I think was terrific in this season of twenty four. Um, so how's this one start? So right, so Jed, so this one's another this is like another like year and like it's almost real time at this point where it's like it's another year and a half after the 
the events of the previous season, and Jack's kind of living. Is he in Mexico? Or is he just in, Cal- he's just in California, right? Isn't he? You know, he's, he's just, not, he's just, just, yeah, somewhere in California. The season five um, accomplishes what season one villain didn't get to do, and assassinates David Palmer. <laughs> we yeah. get a we get a return of uh, Wayne Palmer as well. But you know, I, I knew something was up when David Palmer, when Haysbert was returning, but also was starring as the lead in a show on CBS called The Unit. Yeah, I remember that. So you're yeah. like, oh, this can't be good. It lasted for a long time. Yeah, it did last for a pretty long time, yeah. Um, yeah, there's a hit on Palmer, and then there's a, a hit on Tony and Michelle after a, we're so happy, everything's so happy right now scene. And then, you know, they find hey, out about David Palmer's there. death. Huh? I was happy they were back together. I was happy too, but the scene yeah. was written very, oh, we're so happy right now. But then they learn of David Palmer's death, decide to go offer their help at CTU, and when Michelle gets to the car, it goes boom, and Michelle yeah. is dead. And Tony is in he's, a coma. He's injured. Uh, and uh, and Chloe, uh, she don't they she try to get avoids, Chloe too? She avoids but it. Jack gets there. And Jack, dies. yeah, exactly. Jack, <laughs> Jack it forces Jack out of hiding like it was intended to, because Jack is considered the assassin of David Palmer. There's some Footage that is um, never fully explained how they did it of him making it the all the more across. believable. Yes, <laughs> um, of him like being the shooter across the street of David Palmer, um, but he comes out of hiding, uh, and then there's a his uh, his girlfriend played by the wonderful Connie Britton. Um, her son ends up stowing away with Jack or something follows him and gets involved and then he gets there's like a terrorist plot that they uncover at an airport and Jack that kid ends up getting held hostage there for some reason or another they're going to release cans of nerve gas I think it is yeah so Jack's oh. back again in, uh... oh and Jack actually kills the guy early on that did shoot David Palmer yeah the revenge is ha- happens but it's still like how, why did this happen it's more like... important who pulled who Pulled the trigger on the guy to pull the trigger, which is a big thrust of the season. Yeah. So and and President um, Logan's wife is very good friends with David Palmer, and he had called her and wanted to talk to her about something he found uh, the night before he was killed. And what's like Logan going through? He's some kind of he's doing something with a Russian president, right? There's some sort of like treaty arms treaty agreement or something that's like the biggest thing in his career. Yeah. That's going to make his presidency, and that that's more important than anything else going on to him. Okay, so there's that, and that. So okay, so so what's going on with CTU? Where, where's where's going on there? So uh, like, is Jack on the like Jack like after he reveals himself? What's where? Wh- how does he get back involved? Like to a point where he can kind of connect with CTU for what's going to happen? That's after he, I think after he he saves the airport, like he's isn't he put in good graces shortly after that? But they're pretty sure he didn't do it. That would be my takeaway. Yeah. Yeah, um, you have um, Bill Buchanan in charge of CTU, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. of course uh, Curtis Manning is still as much of a badass as he was before. Um, Edgar uh, is still floating around, Chloe, and then um, you have um, Sean Astin of Rudy and Lord of the Rings fame as uh, Lynn McGill. He's yeah, he's the guy that's like the Chappelle-ish guy, right? Yeah, he's like. 
he is so if CTU is an organization, there's the head of that branch, and then Lynn McGill is like a higher up from, you know, the main sector. I don't know how to explain it well. I remember he, he also has a crazy relative that ends up seeing his stealing his key card. I I remember um, uh, Sean Aston showing up and just being annoying for like the majority of his episodes until like the last episode. Doesn't he like sacrifice himself that he's in? And, oh yeah, yeah. He, yeah. After after the uh, well, because his his key card gets stolen by his sister, who's a junkie. Yeah. And to end up going to the terrorists that are able to integrate themselves into CTU and set off like this nerve gas, which ends up, you know, killing Edgar. Oh. Uh, that was a silent clock moment. Yeah, that was a. And Kim Bauer came to visit. She, of course, yeah, she came to visit on the day. <laughs> she was she was not in season four at all. Nope. She was, that was. She gets a, she gets a quick like no yeah she's living with Chase now they're and happy. No well, yeah they're happy then but when she shows up in season five she's dating C Thomas Howell her psychiatrist. Her psychiatrist yes. And um, the Amazing Spider Man C Thomas Howell. Yes. Uh, uh, <clears throat> but they, uh, so they have the gas, which is a couple of episodes, and Lynn McGill offers. Well, there's no choice. The only way to stop the gas is him and another and a security guard have to do something. Like they just have to brave and breathe the gas and complete these tasks to like get the ventilation going or something. Yeah. And right. After the attack, um, uh, Karen Hayes played by Jane Atkinson and Miles Papazian, played by Steven Spinella, um, come to CTU and try to uh, take away control from Bill Buchanan. Yes. What's funny about that is uh, the way that the relationship between Karen Hayes and, and Bill Buchanan develops later on. Yeah. Well, also we have to mention Tony gets killed. Yeah, uh, after after CTU, because everybody was like, oh, because Sean Aston's character was a nobody liked him. Like he was just that dude. Yeah, and and then he goes he goes down, and you feel really bad. And then you're like the the producers are show like, okay, we took Sean Aston, fine, you got your Sean Aston gone. Here, we're taking Tony. And and as well, we haven't mentioned yet, Peter Weller is yeah, a big part of the Ro- season. Robocop's a big part of the season. He's... A creepy mother. He is scary in this season. Right. <clears throat> <clears throat> All of that aside, though, as I was saying earlier, it's really – it's about President Charles Logan, played by Gregory Itzen, who, as it comes to pass, is the secret – well, is a secret mastermind, um, evil villain, nasty traitor man. <laughs> yes. His wife, uh, played by Jean Smart, is uh, – we'll say she's Fred – Fragile, yeah, <laughs> and in one of the most um, emotionally uh, satisfying uh, narrative uh, threadlines of the season, she has a very subtle and sweet relationship with Agent Aaron, Aaron Pierce. Yes. yes, yes, which is just—it's just—it's so—it's lovely, is the way I would describe it. <laughs> He takes care of her, and, and they just have this sweet little thing that it almost goes unsaid, but you can just feel it. The two actors have really nice chemistry, and it's just really nice. And then, of course, um, Mike Novick is is in 21 of the 24 episodes, um, sort of right there in the thick of things. 
Well, him and Aaron Pierce get their nice own little action duo arc too in this. Yeah. Yeah. Aaron Pierce doesn't he get uh he gets put in a holding room and beat up pretty bad in this season. Yeah, this is the season where Aaron Pierce went from you know minor character to true badass. Yeah, he he is involved quite a bit, and it's it was very it was it was great to see that because I've like I've been a champion of his since like all along, and it's like oh yeah now he has to like get his own arc, and he has like a whole like emotional side to him that we get to delve into. Like there's just all this stuff going on with Pierce, all of all these other kind of characters that are popping yeah, up but, here and there. What's one of the things that's great about this season too is it really. Like all of them do, but this one more so, I think, builds on little nuggets of yes. the previous seasons, and 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 puts sheds a new light on characters and and things and or people we thought we knew um, turn out to not be as such. We also meet a mysterious character named Graham, and I'll leave the reveal as to who that is to one of you two fine fellows. Do, do we didn't even get his name because he was just called the Bluetooth guy. Yeah, yeah. It's season well, uh, five. Well, we'll get to him later on, but before we wrap up this season. It does like it does do a good job of kind of playing down the the bigness of previous seasons of Twenty Four. Like there's I guess mean, Twenty Four so is always going to be like that big action quality to it. But like after Jack kills RoboCop, like that's uh, Peter Weller. That's not even like the end of the like we still have like a whole is I don't even is it a whole episode or just at least a whole well, half yeah, of an can, episode? Can we talk where... about that? This it was this the penul- uh, the penultimate episode. Yeah, yeah. It on. was awesome because it was twenty minutes uninterrupted. Jack goes into the submarine, because we haven't even talked about Julian Sands. Yeah, yeah. Who shows up. But he goes in and has this stealthy action, you know, siege of this this uh, submarine to stop it from launching a missile. And it ends, it ends in him, like, he kills Julian Sands with his legs. He, like, snaps his neck with his legs. Yeah. And this is like... before, like, that was overdone. That kind of thing was overdone. That was, like, really cool. And then I think he sees... He meets Peter Weller, who is, you know, the guy who trained him atop the submarine and just, like, shoots him in cold blood. And then you get the clock, and you're like, you just realized you watched 20-some minutes of uninterrupted television, and you're like, awesome. But that's the last of the action. For Yeah, because the season yeah. ends on, like, a, it's a, it's way more... Folk, it's all it's all character focus. It deals with them catching Logan by like they like play like, play like a listening device on him and get him to kind of kind of admit what's going on. But it's all it's all dialogue driven, which is a big change for such a show like Twenty Four. And I really that was something I really liked about it. That was something that always resonated with me. It was like this is this season's amazing. How it's wrapping things up. Well, they kind of make it look like some sort of like Rambo like speech at the end of First Blood type thing with the way they set Jack up. Like looks like Jack's going on some sort of suicide thing with with logan mm-hmm. because he, he kidnaps him and they go in like this like hangar or something yeah 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 by themselves and and jack ends up getting arrested and logan goes up to give a speech but then like you see that jack recorded it and the secret service men take him away before he can give a speech and his wife slaps him yeah before we get it's to the... just when palmer yeah he's giving a speech about palmer's caskets arriving or something and that's now... when he when we before we get to the very last thing that happens this season, um, we do meet Chloe's um, uh, former husband, Morris. Yeah, Morris O'Brien. I love Morris O'Brien. We play at the end. We play Cor- right? Carlo Rota, who um, I've since seen in like a lot of things, but he had a he had a very a very particular way about him too, which I also it's like Twenty Four is getting these like great character actors because I know who they are without like necessarily knowing their name exactly or whatnot. Like it's like oh that's I mean, that person. His brief appearance was so popular he became a regular in the following. <laughs> yeah. He got a job at CTU just like Kim did. 
he's a he was a former CTU agent though. Yeah, that's and I imagine they probably split due to Chloe and Morris splitting themselves. Yeah, well, I mean, I think he got booted from CTU for being like a womanizer there or something like that. Sounds about right. He's a he's a charismatic <laughs> guy. Um, I think um, what's interesting too is, um, you know, we had mentioned how this season won the Emmy Award. It's rare for a show to not win until its fifth season. Yeah. You know, it was nominated for the first floor, it didn't win, it won this season, and then it was never nominated again. (laughs) (laughs) Sixth, seventh, and eighth seasons was not nominated for Best Drama Series. So it's just interesting to find a show that, you know, comes to its peak. Like, you know, fifth season of a show, a lot of shows by that point are already starting to show their age or get tired. Well, Breaking Bad didn't win until season five, part one. True, true. Clearly, I mean, the, that, the that, other seasons of television were just not that good. That's that's the way I look at it. <laughs> it certainly happens. It, it's just rare. And I, I think if you were to poll the fans, season five would be the most widely selected as their favorite. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking at the nominees. You have 24, you have Grey's Anatomy, House, The Sopranos, and The West Wing. Those are different times. Yeah, right? <laughs> 24 is consistently nominated, though, yeah. yeah. And then not at any point after that. Not at any point after, yeah. Then well, I, don't, I, I don't think they had the quality to match up with after this season. No, they didn't. No, they didn't, yeah. We'll get to that. But it's funny because you look at it, and then it's like Sopranos, the last season one for 2007, and then Mad Men started winning, which, of course, is partially from the creators of Sopranos. So it all, <laughs> all matched up there. I want to point out before we move on to like season six, they yeah, were yeah. the DVD sets were actually making little shorts like shooting shorts for the DVDs that would like give you like a uh, little scenario of what was going on between the seasons. Mm. Like there, there was one about um, Jack and his relationship with Audrey, but on the season three DVD to build up season four, uh, season four had, can't remember what was, there was something about um, the terrorists that show up for the train heist at the beginning of season four um, that we, wow, we didn't even mention the train, but yeah, right. uh, the beginning of season four, um, some about them acquiring the suitcase that starts out in season four, and then between season four and five, um, I can't remember what was what was there. But five and between five and six, they had stuff with um, Jack and the Chinese. Yeah. For last thing, we didn't talk about Audrey at all this season, given that this is the Audrey Range trilogy. What what's going on with Audrey? Audrey, Audrey, Andre, Audrey in uh, season five, because presumably Jack. Like, Kim and Audrey both thought Jack was dead until he came back at this season. Yeah. Um, she shows up, and she gets a face-to-face with Connie Britton, which is kind of cool, but Connie Britton puts her dukes down but says, you know what, if you don't want him, I'm, I'm here waiting. And they kind of reunite, and then Audrey gets um, in a situation where I think she's kidnapped. Am I correct on that one? Or is that season six? I don't remember, to be honest. Is it, I'm, I'm thinking of the scenario where Jack had to get in a plane... I think that's six. Six? Okay. No, no, no. I'm looking. No, I'm looking at. I'm reading. I'm reading a summary on Wikipedia. It looks like yeah. There's a. There is an Audrey getting. Yeah, because Audrey's at CTU during the whole like nerve gas thing. And what happens after that? Well, this one appear. This season appears to have a happily ever after. After ending with Jack and Audrey together, the whole thing's done, and then Jack gets told he's got a call from Kim. Yep. 
Which I was fooled by. I was like, all right, yeah. you got a call from Kim. I was, <laughs> I was so caught up in this thing being resolved and happy. I didn't, you know, the obvious was coming and I couldn't even, couldn't even see it. Yeah, so Jack gets kidnapped um, by the Chinese. And uh, he's then, basically the season ends with him on a, on a ship headed for China, likely to be tortured for an undisclosed amount of time. It's a very shocking and sad ending for another season where Jack Bauer was able to save the day. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, that is going to lead us into season six, which we should do now. Season six of 24, which... Where we start getting ridiculous. Yeah, we get a little, a little wild in this one. Starting with President Wayne Palmer. Yeah. <laughs> um, very incestual, this whole fan, series. It's fan, it, 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 fan fiction. Only fan fiction could give you that. And I remember in between these seasons, because we don't know what's going on with Jack, I remember there was a whole, like, short going on that was mainly like a, it was like a Chevy advertisement or something like that. But uh, but it it was like it was a, like a, a connection to like what's Jack been up to and like he's in prison and he's being tortured. He's trying like they're, they're wanting to give some name or something. And he doesn't. And then like he gets supposedly rescued by somebody, which leads to like a montage of whatever truck he's in, like driving over like on four wheel drive, doing over dudes yeah. and whatnot, showing how great this truck is. And then like they're trying to confirm something. He's like, "Tell us this thing." And he tells him, and he's like, "Fooled you! I'm actually working for the Chinese. Uh, thanks for that information you gave us." And then they put him back into prison, which doesn't add much, but it just like shows you the physical torment that Jack's been going through, while also advertising some amazing car that I didn't buy. But um, that said, this season begins. It's almost two years. Like it's like another year and it's like twenty months or something like that. After uh, so what year would this take place in? Then at this point, well, the twenty-four timeline is a tricky one because I, I if we kept strict track of what the the year is and the time, like when we start twenty-four live another day, Jack's probably like seventy-three. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like in each season, there's a year and a half to two years in between. So by now we're in 2020. So if if when 24 starts and Jack has a, let's say Kim's what 17. Yeah. Let's get 16. Let's we'll give it 16. So if maybe him and Terry had her in high school, I and we can keep him as young as we can. <laughs> but yeah, it's a, it's a it, 24 plays by its own rules in terms of time and place. Yeah. So this one picks up. Jackson. Uh... Jack's in prison, right? He's still he's he's being well. They're negotiating to bring they're negotiating him. to bring him back. Yeah, and he's mad. Well, no, some guy somebody wants to bring him back just to kill him. That's it. Hmm. Or else they're gonna like set off a nuke or something. Or there's like a bus attack. America's gone to hell in this beginning of the season, or Los Angeles has at least. Yeah, so he's he's brought back by a deal arranged by by Wayne Palmer. And then he's like forced to sacrifice himself, right? That's the basic idea. Yeah, and Jack's mad about Wayne Palmer, who had some good stuff in season five, but season six <clears throat> gives. Ugh. But this, this, these first four episodes are pretty strong for what they're doing. Like, yes. it's a little ridiculous, but like these, the, the opening like two hour premiere is crazy because you have like this, Jack's back, crazy things are happening, a bomb's like about to go off. Curtis suddenly like gets like a whole different like attitude towards how to handle the situation, which forces Jack to kill him. Well, it's because they have to free a terrorist, and and Jack has to work with him, a guy who he's turning himself in in order to help. But this guy had commissioned a, a like execution of a bunch of Curtis's fellow like Marines or somebody, 
and and Curtis just can't stand to see the guy and goes a bit crazy. So he does that, and at the same time, like the bombs go off, right? Or a bomb goes off, right? In Valencia. Yeah, kid, well, Cal Penn is holding someone hostage at a house that Jack ends up going to. That's right. Cal Penn's involved in the season too. Yeah, because <laughs> they do they do the whole Beirut thing, but now Beirut is the terrorist type thing yeah. instead of the family. It's the kid, and he holds up the hostage of that one kid you see in a lot of things, but he's not really big. Rami um, Malik. Yes, and uh, he ends up getting killed, and Jack's there, and. Yeah, right after Jack kills Curtis, he shoots him in the neck. Yeah, it's a brutal death for Curtis. Yeah, and you're like sitting there like, no, don't kill Curtis, don't kill Curtis. But just the attitude Curtis had, you knew he was goner. Like, something was up. You didn't think he was going to survive. And then a nuke goes off. And that's and, and that signals like, like Jack, the end of 24's like, extremely good, like, consistent good quality. Like, a peak, the peak is right there with that nuke. They literally nuked many, many fridges in Valencia. Hey, I, I remember Jack was like he was reeling from killing Curtis. Like he was like, da- he, like I think he yells like I can't do this anymore. Like over the yeah. over the walkie talkie, and like then a bomb goes off and it's like God, things are worse than ever. And Jack just got back from torture. He knows how bad things can get. But, yes. Uh, that's the so that's all of that. Then the Bowers get involved. The other Bowers, right? Uh, yeah, the, um, the, the guy with the, the Bluetooth was Jack's brother, and he's married to a woman Jack had had a relationship with in the past, and she has a son that looks like he could be more of Jack's son than grandson, and then Papa Bauer is involved. James Cromwell. Played by James Cromwell. Um. That'll do, pig. <laughs> it's just, it, yeah, there's... The family involvement thing just kind of choo, sucked sucked it out. It weirdly tried to make it too personal. Too personal, yeah. They're like, "What's? Where can we go from here?" You know, we had the president. I think the they really missed a beat on not casting Donald Sutherland. Exa- well, they have Papa and Son issues. That wasn't gonna work. Um, <laughs> they're not good with each other. Keepers. I don't want to talk about it, but. Um, <laughs> Let's just say it probably wasn't going to happen. I just don't buy James Cromwell as Jack Bauer's dad. No. It, I, it looks like they were going to bring, like, Gravitas or something to the role. Oh, yeah, you get... I mean, that's a, that's a get. James. I mean, James, James Cromwell, Cromwell doing... I mean, James Cromwell doing TV isn't something you see a lot of. So, it's a pretty big deal, I guess. But the, the woman who plays Jack's, I guess, sister-in-law, man, she was kind of bad. She was also on Heroes at the same time, too. Going between 24 and Heroes. But we also get a big return this season. Eric Balfour as Milo, who had a short stint in season one. Is he director or like just high up of C- in CTU? He's just his normal. I think he just dresses nicer. He dresses. Yeah. Oh, no, I remember, I remember who the director is because it's, uh, it's another woman, I believe, right? Is Nadia. Uh, is it Nadia? It's, it's a girl. Um, she played in Audrey in Vegas Vacation. Uh, well, she winds up. That girl winds up being director. Yeah, yeah. Nadia. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, they try to make a new Tony Michelle situation. The, the characters are nowhere near interest as interesting as Tony Michelle. Milo eventually gets shot in the face, right? That's yep. Yes. <laughs> he ends up getting. He ends up like yeah, just point blank shot in the head. Like there's like huge cast. I'm looking at the cast of the season. Yeah, Ricky Schroeder comes Ricky in. Schroeder pops as, in. Like, as like Jack Bauer, Sports like B Squad. What Maxwell? 
Powers Booth. Yeah, Powers Booth Powers is like Booth is the right. insanely evil vice president who just looks <laughs> evil because he's played by Vi- Powers Booth, <laughs> but he was somehow um, somehow Wayne Palmer chose him. Well, Wayne Palmer, he wasn't gonna win if he didn't choose. That him. makes. I think yeah. we have a Democrat and Republican like president, vice president, like mm-hmm. grouping. That was the only way to get it, and yeah. Yeah, Rob Lowe's little brother. Chad Lowe's in here. Rade Servadaja's in here. No, and, what's his name? Uh, um, Henry Lennox Peter is in McNichol. here. Peter McNichol's in here, Peter yeah. Peter McNichol, yeah. It was Ooh. like, looking at the casting for the season, you were like, oh my gosh, this is going to be awesome. And Peter McNichol, he's in like every episode. He's in every episode of the DC season, too, I believe. Was he? I'm pretty sure. He's in a good chunk of it, I know that. I remember, I remember the plot he has in the DC season, because he has to do some stuff. This one is just here to kind of like down, like down say everything that someone else says because no, he's Peter McNichol. I don't think he's in any of the DC season. You sure Peter McNichol? Tom Lennox is? I don't think McNichol because McNichol gets arrested for bad stuff. Never mind. I'm thinking of the wrong. He's person. in the movie briefly. He's in the movie briefly. I'm thinking of the wrong person. Yeah. There's another person in season seven that I'm thinking of. Never mind. Um, and then of course, as we talked about, uh, Morris O'Brien is in every episode. Yes. yes. We and get a Carlos, little, yeah, we get, oh. accent is kind of slimy but compelling and and he gets like tortured like really bad. <laughs> yeah, he's he, uh, and tortured. And he gives in too. He gives in to torture. Yeah. Yeah. Um oh, and um Regina King. Yeah, she's yes. um is she Wayne Palmer's wife? Sister. Sister. She's sister Palmer. Yeah. yeah. Sister of Wayne and the late great David. So, so we have the Bowers, the Palmers. <laughs> Who else are we missing? <laughs> um, we also, I want to mention. Our, um, oh, go ahead. We never, James Keeler. We never found out. If, they never said on the show what exactly happened to him. But in synopsises on the internet, it was just like we assume that he died on the operating table. <laughs> so I guess he died. And then Wayne Palmer gets gravely it's, injured, yeah. but we never get a resolution as to what happened to him. Yeah, he dies. He dies. So every president. So we've had three presidents in the twenty-four era die, murdered, As- assassinated. Yeah, assassinated. Um, yes. Are Are Bill and Karen together yet in this season? I, yeah. Yes, they I think are. They're, yeah, they're married. Yeah. I don't like this season so much. No, no yeah, this I, is the worst season. This is the worst season for me. Yes, this is the one I often credit it's as the worst. It's too season. pulpy, too crazy, and just too personal. Like <laughs> unnecessarily personal. As much as I like DB Woodside, I, I just he's, there's not much, nothing really presidential about him. They didn't give him good material, like at he, all. He was great as when he was the chief of staff. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, but but the, I don't know. It's just weird. No, it's it's a weak season. It's it's very weak, and yeah, it it gets it just got a lot crazy of stuff season. happening, a lot of twists and turns, and it's just nothing sticked. Well, and then like they wind up having the Chinese tied into everything at the end, so Jack yeah. can just take everything out. So of he can have his revenge of sorts. And it's yeah, it just and like the before the last episode like ends with like. Grandpa Bauer taking this the kid the in kid the hostage. Yeah, doesn't Rick, like Ricky Shorter gets blinded, <clears throat> and it's it's a, it's a mess. That's really it's really what it is. It tries to go, you know, season five took things as far as they could, and season six tried to take them further, and it just did not. I do like the tagline though of the season. 
For America to survive, Jack Bauer must die. I, I remember it ended nicely, though, in, forgiven all that was going on, because it ends with just Jack's kind of, like, standing out there, and he's like... Well, he goes to visit Audrey, because she is messed up, because the Chinese got yeah, a hold yeah, of her, too. Yeah, they got her, yeah. <laughs> She's and, like, my God. But didn't she has, try, wait, didn't she try to seek him out, and she got captured or something yeah, like that? Yeah, she tried to seek him out, got captured. He ended up rescuing her. She didn't show up till late in the season. He rescued yes. her, and she was messed up. So he goes to her dad's house... And he's looking at her sleeping, and her dad gives him, like, one hell of a speech. Yeah, he tells her that everyone dies around you. Like, is that yeah. guy's, like, basically the speech he gives him. So it'd be better if you just stayed away from my daughter. Well, and then Jack, I... goes, Jack goes to a cliff with a gun in his hand and, and is just breathing heavily, and then it goes to a silent clock, which makes you go, what in the hell just happened? You know, I, th- I think about the importance that the character of Jack Bauer has to pretty much all United States... Um, foreign policy, <laughs> and I, I wonder if there's like one spy or or you know security agent actually bopping around who has had his hands in every major event in in the United States over the last decade. <laughs> I don't know. For America to survive, Agent Timothy <laughs> A. Barnes must die. <laughs> And it's just like some guy who's like, well, I'm a company man, you know. <laughs> I do what the president says, and so I just, you know, people die around me and get involved in these ridiculous scenarios. But it's like once every two years, you know, and then I like sleep for two years. Yeah. Perfect. Um, but, you know, if you could see where I, uh, you know, mark these as trilogies, if you look at the end of season three, it's very similar to the end of season six. Yeah, the, where Jack the, is the first of... two seasons kind of have like end on big notes that, you know, the first season ends with Terry dead, and you're like, whoa, and you're not sure, you know, maybe not sure if she died or not, but it's not a pleasant note to end on, and you're wondering where it goes. Season two ends with, you know, Palmer the handshake, yeah. and like what happened with that, and then season three just ends with Jack breaking down in a car, and everything's relatively fine, and then season, you know, four, he faked his death where he's out on the run, season five, he gets kidnapped by the Chinese, and then here... It's all come to a head. It's stopped. It, you know, it's an ending point. And it, because like this is this is this is right before the writer strike, correct? And it's, um, it's, yes, twenty four did. I forget twenty four did take a year off. It did because I there was a whole they had a whole thing planned and then they had to scrap like a lot of what they're working on, I, which turned which eventually turned into a movie. Right, the, 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 the TV took a year off for the writer's strike, and we got the movie. We got the movie instead of whatever they were planning out before. Well, well, they did shoot a bunch of season seven, and then went back and reshot it. There's some episodes that we've never seen that were going in a different. Yeah, direction. they had. Yeah, exactly. They had a whole. They had things planned and just stuff got. Away. I think it was a com- a combination of like the reception of season six and the impending writer's strike, and just like, what do we do now with this to make it better? And it does improve after this. It does, yeah. That's yeah, why. No, I mean, it, it gets it, it, which it, we'll discuss. Yeah, we will on our next episode. We will. Um, but <laughs> with that said, yeah, like it does. You end this season. You're like, I never questioned. Like, I don't know if I'm going to keep watching 24, but you know, you do have kind of a. You knew you felt like oh, okay, maybe it's never going to be what it was again. It stands to reason. But then there's a whole drought of the, of the series yeah. for like, like a good year where you get really psyched, or more than a year. Um, where you get really psyched about it again, which is we'll talk about how that if that whether or not that pays off, but yeah, 
Um, something I want to bring up before we close this episode, just because I don't think this is as big of a thing in the future seasons of 24. Torture was a huge thing. Um, yeah, yeah, it was a big. It was a big deal in 24, and it especially became a thing with you know, I would say seasons two through through six especially, where it just became the de facto way to handle a situation. Um, if presidential pardons didn't work, of course. And I know that turns a lot of people off about this series. I mean, it was uh, it was uh, on the zeitgeist, uh, um, regardless of of twenty four, um, but twenty four fictionalized it, and in some cases portrayed it successfully, which made people uh, discuss it more rampantly than they would perhaps have had otherwise. And also then gave people political fire to accuse at this work, you know, work of fiction and turn them off from watching the show. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> we would again see this phenomenon uh, a couple years later with the film Zero Dark Thirty. Yep. Mm-hmm. People have the, um, I don't know, the ability, people are prone, to, certain people are prone to taking their fiction too literally and using them as a jumping off point to express their political opinions. Uh, all the while forgetting that what they were watching was made up. I, I think uh, certain people need to be handed a fortune cookie-sized slip of paper with the definition of the word fiction on it. Yes. And that's all I'll say about that, because it is something I'm, I feel pretty strongly about, is you need to separate. Fi- Even if the, the fictional thing you're watching is portraying events that could occur in real life or are inspired by real life, it's still made up. You know, you discuss the issues, but you don't have to get so upset or turn against the the entertainment as if it's, you know, it's just a show at the end of the day. Yeah, how does it work in terms of the entertainment value of the show, not... Right, exactly. Discuss the issues within the context of the piece. If you want to get upset on it separately, fine, but keep those two paths separate. And I I would say the 24 maybe relied on torture a lot um, in a show where the good guys are ostensibly using this as as a that and again presidential pardons as like their only tools to handle situations but yeah yeah it does come down to it is a fictional series and it's It's a fictional series based on based on trying to stop huge things from slaughtering people in in a in a short time crunch yeah if 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 they weren't i mean they had to go to that because it's not called you know seven weeks it's called 24 and (laughs) i mean (laughs) i do think though and again, I don't want to bring politics too heavily into it, but if we were to look back at post 9-11 um, espionage, I can guarantee, all but guarantee that we have used torture in our country and that it has given results. There's no doubt in my mind. When faced with the harsh realities of the world we live in, people have the ability to turn on a pin. makes them uncomfortable, makes them question you know, that their country and our freedom as Americans. So I guess even if season six was bad, having people discuss issues such as this isn't the worst thing in the world. At least you could say it's thought provoking. There you go. Yeah. yeah, no, thanks for humoring me. Just wanted to bring, I thought that was a, no, it's fine. It's just, you know, we have our previous episode. We had some, topics to discuss this one we're just talking about three seasons so i figured there's something else to bring up here because i think that i think there was a notable decrease in the use of torture in the following seasons i i do think that they kind of had time to look at what the show's big tropes are and what people seem to get up in arms about and while i wouldn't say it's 
not there at all, I do think there is a conscious effort to make that change a bit in the, in the following seasons that we'll get to. Yeah, well, we can discuss that on our next episode. We can. So, yeah, that is uh, going to wrap it up for this week's episode. We are nearing the end of our transmission for the week. Feel free to email us at the uh, jcadventurecast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter or at Facebook, uh, jcadventurecast for both of those. Uh, also, check out our other shows over at hhwlod.com, including the Walking Dead TV podcast, Out Now with Our Name, a movie show that I host. There is, of course, the show that Brandon Maxwell and I hosted, the Icapod Crane cast for you that want to catch up on Sleepy Hollow, another Fox television series. On Fox. On Fox. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, Brandon, where can people find more of your work? You can find my work at whysoblue.com. Also, I have a blog, a film related blog called Naptown Nerd. And that's at Naptown, or that's naptownnerd.blogspot.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at BTPeters. Maxwell? Follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash cinemaxwell. And you can go to cinemaxwell.com to find my writings. I occasionally write for theyoungfolks.com. And as Aaron mentioned, I co-host the Acapella Graincast. And yeah, I'm at Aaron's PS4. And I also Ooh. host Out Now with Aaron and Abe. And I write for wiseofblue.com and my own blog, thecodeisek.com. So yeah, that's uh, that's going to do it for this week's episode of 24, the Jack and Chloe Adventure Cast. We'll be back soon enough to, talk, to wrap up the kind of series before we get to um, the, the new season that's, that's approaching quite quickly. Um, but until next time, here is a fun fact. If Jack was president, he would protect the Secret Service. That's all I got. All right, I'm out. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs>